the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, their station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Much edition of Lifeline. It's another beautiful, gorgeous day out here in the Bay Area. Let's see, it's sunny. The skies are clear. Um, we had a great time um, this this last Saturday. Many of you guys know that we uh, we uh, kicked off our I think it's like the ninth annual Rules of Engagement. Series. A lot of people came out, even on a rainy day. We're glad about that. Glad to see a lot of new people. Uh, a lot of faces didn't even know, but uh, <clears throat> apparently people want to brush up on, learn, um, get some insights into the whole concept of biblical marriage, rules of engagement. It was a it was a good class. Our theme was privileges, promises, uh, privileges, problems, and promises. We got two more class that we, classes we have to do, um, one this Saturday, 1 p.m. So uh, if you heard about it, if you're um, interested, you guys can join us again this Saturday. Again, great turnout. We have uh, snacks and uh, all kind of other accessories that will make um, the couple hours that go by so quick uh, worth it. Again, Rules of Engagement with Grace Bible Church in Hayward, California. And I am Jesse Gistan. Glad to be in the house with you for the next hour and let's see, 45 minutes. If you want to begin to get on the phone lines, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Yes, this is allergy season for a lot of people. Um, uh, I was feeling a bit of it last week, as you might have noticed. Uh, just a tad bit of congestion and stuff like that. I had my yard completely. Uh, cut and so all of that stuff was flying around too doing a lot better this week but as a rule things are tough the air is highly uh, polluted with all kinds of pollens and other things so you need to need to take care of yourself don't think it unusual but you you might want to avoid certain areas and you also might want to boost up your immune system with whatever might help you maintain clear respiratory breathing um, and uh, just yeah just take care of yourself take care of yourself it is a very important thing to do uh, particularly where you and I are today uh, do that how might we start our conversation? What might be the grounds of my monologue with you? The word will be incrementalism, incrementalism, incrementalism. Uh, let me see, how can I put this? A change is going on in our world. And uh, 
from what I read in terms of the statistics, people are not quite aware of what's happening. They know, they know something weird is taking place, not good, not normal, not normal. It's not right. But uh, you've heard many solid conservatives warning for decades and decades about the incrementalism, the incrementalism of this dialectic of gradually shifting people's opinions, shifting their views, shifting their perspectives in one direction. You guys have heard me warning about the uh, pump cart analogy of left-right politics narratives and how it uh, appears to be operating as a polarity, as a system of oppositions, but in reality, we're still going the same very leftist, very socialist, very anti-God, very anti-Christ direction. That's where you and I are going right now. Um, and we, we need to know that. Um, this is the drip, drip rhetoric and strategy of uh, changing opinions a little here and a little there. Solomon warned about that in the book of Proverbs. He says, when you hear someone whose heart is not right, though he speaks very fairly, very graciously, with very good words, do not believe him because there are seven abominations in his heart. His whole goal is to move you towards his position. His position is not good and neither will yours be. This is the way Solomon warns us. And is that not the nature of politics in our world today? We're going to build back better. But when you look at all of the markers of what constitutes a healthy, viable, productive country, nothing of the sort is true with us today. We are in a mess economically. We are in a mess sociologically. We are in a mess educationally. We are in a mess spiritually. I don't know if you heard it, but the Pope just stepped up and plainly said that homosexuality is normal. And it should not be condemned on any level whatsoever. The Pope says homosexuality is normal and that he is completely for uh, same-sex unions. Uh, this is something that has come out recently. I'm sure your main media outlets have not really uh, you know, blown this across the whole map because it, too, will create some measure of controversy. But what do I mean by drip, drip? Uh, politics. I mean that, you know, many years ago, we knew we knew what constituted marriage. It was a union between a man and a woman. Today, we don't even know what a man and woman is. This is what I mean by drip, drip incrementalism. The Bible says this is a loss of rationality. This is a loss of the intellect, a loss of the reason. And it's taking place on the sociological level. Now, why would I call your attention to the uh, normalization of homosexuality? Because as I've told you before, on the train of liberalism, on the woke train of liberalism, it has many compartments, many, many, many cars. Once we are normalizing homosexuality, which you guys know is almost here, they're already priming you. I can even use the word grooming you for uh, the trans community. In a minute, it will be it will be forbidden for you to even question whether or not a trans person is nothing more than a fabricated human being that is denying its ontological nature. 
In a minute, you will be condemned for saying a trans woman is not a woman. A trans man is not a man. But is that not logical? If a trans woman was literally a woman, then they wouldn't need the hyphenated prefix of a trans on it. They would just be a woman. If a trans man was a real biological, ontological, genetically oriented male, he wouldn't need the word trans in front of it. But you see, we're headed in a wild, wild direction, ladies and gentlemen. And largely, I'm I'm warning you once again about the danger of incrementalism. After a while, anything and everything goes. We're in the month of, uh, of marriages in America. Most marriages take place in the month of May, sometimes June. Uh, maybe a bit April. Sometimes they'll push it off to to December. But um, the, one of the biggest months for marriages is uh, is May, and uh, a lot of people are getting married. Um, and an idea today is um, you will hear it everywhere in your newfangled uh, marriage ceremonies. It won't be his and her, he and she. It'll be them and they. They will avoid using the specific ontological, biological, gender pronouns. They will be over with. That will be something that will be largely passe. We see it everywhere. We see the world being shaped into the image of a post-human society, albeit at its roots, it's still what it is and what it is. And many of us will continue to fight for a biblical worldview, as I do on this program and many others. But I state this to also say to those of you who are part of the conservative party, and you think that the Republicans will deliver you, they won't. You won't. You don't hear the Republicans today standing up for a biblical worldview. You hear them quietly acquiescing to the woke doctrine. And right now they're embracing homosexuality as normative as well. This is something you you got to just know. It wasn't that way 10 years ago. It wasn't that way 20 years ago. It was expedited by one of your very prominent presidents, Barack Obama, when he signed it into law. But I can tell you, we're moving incrementally into that biblical modality of human existence. And it's not going to be good. Socialism is going to take on a massively uh, micro intrusive level in our society over the next several years. You're not going to even recognize the world that you're going to be in. It won't look nothing like your mama's world, your grandmama's world, your great grandma's world. Welcome to the new world order. Welcome to um, Orwellian uh, uh, 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. We're here. It's here now. And uh, the question is, what what are you going to do about it? I know what I'll do by the grace of God. I'll continue speaking the truth and and sharing it with men and women and try to never be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. But there's so much more I want to talk to you about uh, Rochelle Walensky. I also want to talk to you about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I also want to talk to you about some of the battles we're winning in the school systems over this post-delusional um uh, what what we call a pandemic. I want to talk to you about that because there are battles being won. They are. And you need to be happy about it. But the lessons that we want to get out of the winning of those battles is this. You have to care. 
You have to care and you have to participate. I'll talk about more of that after the break. The number is one 367 5329 This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Giston. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. DVR. The time is 520 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. <clears throat> the number to reach me is one 367 If you want to chime in on our conversation, if you want to uh, bring something to the table that's worthy of discussion, as, especially as we deal with these larger world issues that won't get away from us. In my opening monologue, I shared with you how we have been constantly seduced by a media uh, industrial complex that has worked as a oracle for our um, global government agenda for decades now. And here we are on the brink of a massive transformation. In essence, we've been lied to for decades. And this is what Solomon meant when he said in Proverbs chapter 27, uh, verse 20, uh, 23, burning lips. That, that means lips that just want to talk. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a posture covered over with silver dross. It, it sounds interesting and good, but it's just dross. It's not real silver. He says, when he speaks fair, do not believe him. He lays up deceit in his heart. He does not care for you. Do not believe him. There are seven abominations in his mouth. His hatred is covered over with deceit. His wickedness shall be exposed before the whole of the congregation. There's a warning about somebody that fundamentally carries the, uh, I would say, the moniker of politics, the, uh, the hypocrisy of the politician, the hypocrisy of the media agent that works with the politicians to frame a narrative and a story to share with you while at the same time putting you as a person, our society, our nation in a really, really bad and precarious and dangerous and destructive state. I mean, the only thing that can get worse than where we are now in terms of just some new catastrophe would be for us to look up and there is some kind of limited nuclear explosion that has taken place because of the agitation of ignorant policies going on in our nation around the world, of which the media will not let you know either. I can imagine a nuclear exchange taking place somewhere in Taiwan or somewhere in Ukraine and the media saying, you know, no, <clears throat> don't tell the people anything. Don't let them know that there's something going on. Just don't say it. And even though the toxic, uh, destructive cancer causing chemicals are flying, making their way through the air into the United States, they'll act like everything is normal. You see, this is the way you you govern a nation when you have lost its trust, when that nation no longer is really a society of people, but a set of uh, numerics, numbers for your own insane infanticide agenda. And that's where you are today. I was reading a fascinating report today. In fact, two. One of them is about Rochelle Walensky her re resigning from the CDC. Listen to this article and tell me, is this not so apropos? A petition was filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office Court alleging that Walensky was never lawfully sworn into office to begin with. 
Now, I just want you to think about that. Biden stepped into the presidency. You've been told don't even remotely consider that the election was stolen, even though if you talk to people privately, six out of 10 will say that it's highly plausible given what happened. But your media, once again, is telling you don't buy into conspiracy theories, no matter what your eyes saw two and a half years ago on camera. No matter what your eyes saw, don't buy the idea that the election was stolen. AP is reporting that Director Rochelle Walensky, you guys know who she is, that kind of Middle Eastern looking Indian woman who got on TV all during the um, COVID-19, you know, uh, I will call it just catastrophe uh, and telling you that you need to wear masks, telling you you need to get boosted, you need to get shots and that the vaccines were safe and effective. She told you that all the way up to about two months ago when she told you, no, they never were safe. They never were proven for safety. I want you to listen to what is said about her. Given that uh, the uh, the report says that Walisky is perhaps best remembered for her August 5th, 2021 admission admission that the so-called COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent infection. We told y'all that at the beginning or transmission of SARS-CoV-2. Now, this is the head of the CDC now turning around telling you that there's no evidence whatsoever that these jabs ever prevented the uh, SARS-CoV-2 or that it could stop it from being transmitted. Given that the RNA virus initially replicates in the nose, it was already evident to many when the new shots were rolled out that these products designed to induce the production of antibodies in the blood would not prevent infection and transmission. We talked about the difference between that and and why a jab doesn't stop something that starts virally in your nostrils. We talked about that before. For some reason, it seems the CDC was slow to recognize this after Walensky entered off in 2021, she assured the public that the new vaccines did indeed prevent infection and transmission. That would mean that they were safe and effective. Didn't y'all hear that a gazillion times? According to the AP, Walensky did not, in her resignation letter, explain why she was stepping down. Now, all of a sudden, she's stepping down like all of these cronies have been stepping down for the last year after they have seen the damage done which the media is still not telling you. Though she apparently referenced today's WHO declaration that COVID-19 state of emergency is no longer in effect. This comes six days prior to the pre-announcement expiration of the HHH declared state of COVID-19 emergency. We know there's no emergency. It never was one. It never was one. To be sure, many Americans have not perceived COVID-19 to be a public emergency for some time. However, as readers of this Substack are aware, the PREP Act provides innumerable benefits to those engaged in the great business of emergency countermeasures. As one might say here in my great state of Texas, the countermeasures business been dang good to a lot of folks where, uh, where who were positioned to benefit from the emergency to the tune of trillions of dollars to Big Pharma. That means you and I are more broke and they're more wealthy. Walensky's recognition, uh, resignation comes just three weeks after an intriguing petition was submitted to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia, pointing out that she did not 
as required by 5 U.S. Code 3332, adhere to the following requirement. And that's this, you guys. An officer within 30 days after the effective date of his appointment shall file with the oath of office required by Section 3331 of this title and affidavit that neither he nor anyone acting in his behalf is given, transferred, promised, or paid any consider- consideration for or in expectation of hope of receiving assistance in securing the appointment. That might sound all weird to you. As it is set forth in the petition, Walisky did not file a complete affidavit And her incomplete affidavit states her appointment is not as the CDC director, but as senior advisor. Whoa! She's operating in front of the media, the media news uh, industrial complex, as a a CDC head official when all she is is a senior advisor. The petition petition also alleges that several other ranking members of the Biden administration are either unable or unwilling to provide copies of their affidavits in response to the petitioner's Freedom of Information Act request. In recent months, many observers have likened the Biden administration to the governments of so-called banana republic, that is, institutionally economically and politically underdeveloped nations in the tropics. However, based on my extensive travels, this is Dr. Peter McCullough speaking, it seems to me that many countries that we dismiss as banana republics are far more attentive to official procedures and documentation than the carelessness alleged in this petition. Please understand what he just said. There are a lot of people in the Biden administration who stuck their big old faces on the screen, who were not legitimately or officially qualified to be in those positions. We can name dozens of them, right? Because Biden is engaged in the whole woke doctrine. He's got, you know, trans people here and trans people there. And you're going to get you a black female as the speaker of the house or a speaker um, of news. And then, you know, just this whole litany of uh, of uh, identity politics showing up as visuals for Biden and his administration who are not officially or um, particularly qualified for those offices. This is called a banana republic, ladies and gentlemen. This is called um, mocking the Constitution. This is called squandering and disregarding the Bill of Rights. This is called a gradual, incremental, incremental, incremental socialist takeover of your country while you are asleep at the wheel. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We're going to be talking about reparations when we come back. And how much of that do we understand is nothing more than a continuation of the build back better society that you are already a part of. Monday edition of Lifeline, three lines open, one 329 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Yes, we are. The time is 535 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Again, if you want to give me a call, one 329 Um, Again, we are in some wild times. Just recently had a conversation about just the corruption that's going on 
in many of our institutions and especially the medical industry, something that uh, Rush Limbaugh warned about many, many years ago uh, when he when he talked about just the corruption of socialism, how it would destroy the quality of life, the quality of care, the quality of um of uh, of of uh, of our institutions, and this is happening across all the sectors. I mean, look at how insane it is for us to be dealing with um, the queer, the trans movement, and their um, their invasion into our elementary and middle schools. Who would thought? Who would have thought that we are sitting up, um, observing, and entertaining burlesque? Uh, pole dancing, um, more than risque, um, over-the-top sexual uh, displays on the part of trans people to young men and women in their school. Even more, how insane is it that parents are sitting there letting this be seen to their children? And then on top of it, on top of it, they want to get upset when uh, people like Ron DeSantis says that he won't have it in the school systems under his watch. And by the way, here's a question I want to pose to you before we go to the phone lines. Um, Ron DeSantis has just signed a bill suggesting the death penalty for any child molester. Ron DeSantis has just signed a bill in Florida um, suggesting the potential death penalty for anyone engaging in child molestation, the rape of a child, the rape of a child. So now I want to ask you the question. When I say the drip drip incrementalism, the eventual intoxication of the society, the real transformation, transformative change of the way you think, your convictions, your ideas, your 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 moral and ethical stance. Is that something that's real? Am I just like wasting time talking to you about what the Bible calls reprobation of mind, the giving people over to base desires, giving the nation over to unreasonable, irrational, illogical and destructive policies? Well, God said he did that to Israel and Ezekiel. 21, 22, he gave them over to bad policies, meaning that he finally stopped restraining them from their desire to worship idols, which ultimately destroyed them. So what he's doing to our nation right now, I think. What do you think? I think if you talk to people privately, they would agree that things are so bizarrely bad and wrong in our world today, but people are afraid to talk about it. I'll be talking to you about something that Matt uh, the Abib, uh, the B. Um, I'm thinking I'm getting his name right. He's one of the guys that actually was hired by um, by uh, Elon Musk. His name again is Matt to to uh, to Eb, uh, and he had to be uh, subpoenaed to the. Um, Senate to give an answer as to why him and another individual exposed so many Twitter files concerning government intrusion into uh, censorship and uh, and punishment of people who hold different views, such as yours truly. Um, And the exposure was riveting for those of us who already knew that that was going on. 
I think like the biggest crime that's taking place in America is the fact that our government is lying to us 24 seven. That's what I think is like the biggest crime going on in our world right now. Government lying to us. And then the government saying to you that if you don't agree with uh, agree with us, you're perpetrating misinformation. You're lying and they'll want to punish you. I think that's like the biggest problem. And, and we've said this for years now. That is the precursor to socialistic, um, communistic tyranny that your government is just known to be lying to you like Walensky. She just lied all those months. Because she would, she knew she would be protected by the administration. Because all of this that's going on is is social, psychological, psyop warfare, whether you know it or not. You and I are being assaulted by our own government to be brought into total compliance to the new world order, i.e., build back better. And now, you know, they're ready to get black folks back on the carrot around reparations. I'm going to talk about that after the break. Black folks on the carrot. And you can you can uh, you can respond. And do you think black folks need to get their 40 acres and a mule, um, if you will? And uh, do you think that this really is something that's going to fix America? Just pay reparations because California is ready to do it now. I think there's something else going on. I'll be talking about it. But do you think, okay, just give every black person 500, you know, half a million dollars or a million dollars or whatever the case may be. Do you think that will solve that black people's problem? Do you think that will make uh, things better between the ethnic groups? Do you think that's righteousness? I know they think it's justice. Do you? Do you think taking somebody else's money, albeit the remote relationship ethnically, and giving it to uh, black people who were not themselves slaves is truly reparations. I mean, for real. I mean, for real. And do you really actually think the money is going to come from just the white people to the black people and not really be money that's taken from my pocket? I'm a black person, if you didn't know it, and given to other black people. See, I'm not dumb. I don't know about you, but I'm just not dumb. My government very seldom tells me the truth. So I know I'm actually going to be paying my own black people for a grievance they believe that they have endured from Caucasian people who cannot pay and will not have to pay because only those people paying will be hard cash earning, money earning taxpayers like yours truly. Now, wouldn't that be unjust for me to have to pay some other black person a reparation for which um, somebody else supposedly uh, uh, imposed upon them unjustly, taking from them the capacity to make money? Would that really be, be truly reparations? Wouldn't it also be another kind of fraud? And wouldn't I be stupid to agree with a fraudulent uh, false hypothesis that would say reparations to all black people and ultimately they're taking it out of my pocket? So what say ye? one 367 Let me go to line number one and talk with Jackie first. I'll catch Jermaine on the other side of the break. Jackie, what's your thoughts? Hi, PJ. You've touched on a lot of topics, but I'm here with David, and he just wants to provide a little bit more information on our rally this upcoming Saturday. Here's David. Hey, PJ. So we got hey, the nomination rally coming up uh, Saturday, May 13th from 1 to 3 p.m. at Las Positas College. The, the building is building 4,000. 
and will be outside of the building. So you'll park in parking lot A, and the parking should be free. And, uh, yeah, it's just sad to see where the slippery slope has taken us. You know, from first it was just, hey, let's get married. And then, you know, like, you got to bake our cake now. And then all of a sudden now we have uh, this perversion going on. Right. And you were, how old are you now, David? 18. All right. So you, you were, you were probably a twinkle in God's eye when I first started talking about this um, in uh, 2001, maybe when Rush Limbaugh was extremely prominent at that same time, uh, Michael Savage was still getting down and, uh, and a few other legitimately uh, studious conservative talk show hosts were addressing these issues back then. And we talked about the dangers of incrementalism and uh, and how that we were moving in that direction. And here we are now. You are here. You're you're 19 years living on this planet. And you you have seen even over the uh, maybe six or seven years now, eight years since you've been part of our, our faith community and you've heard me teach these things for years and years. You've seen the incrementalism. You were around when Obama signed uh, the document for same-sex marriage. You were around when we started moving into um, being concerned about a lot of these uh, political issues that have serious moral implications. And today, right now, as you guys are, you know, letting people know that we want to do our public um, duty of preventing and exposing some of the most uh, some of the most uh, irrational as well as absurd, as well as sinful and abominable expressions of so-called um, grooming that will be uh, uh, explicitly manifested by the trans community coming this uh, May 13th on Saturday. It's going to be at Las Positas uh, Community College. I think that's out in Livermore. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And you guys are going to be there at what time? Uh, from one to three. One to three? And of course, yeah. you guys, you got, if you want to join them, you certainly can. Um, it's a, this is a peaceful protest. <laughs> we're not mad and we're not angry. We're just committed to a righteous world with righteous causes because we we have learned what is a thriving community, a thriving society. We're, we're God-fearing. But we're not mad. We're not angry. The media would love for us to get that way. We're not. But we're willing to actually call it out because we actually care about people's kids <laughs> as we care about the future of our children. So uh, if you're if you are starting to be moved in this direction, you might want to join uh, David and Jackie and uh, at, at Las Positas this Saturday, May 13th at 1 p.m. There'll be a good crowd of people out there just calling attention to the impropriety of massive sexual perversion uh, being exposed to our college students, being exposed to our kids across our nation. This is not appropriate. There are lines that are being drawn and we have to speak out. Listen, thank you guys for um, that effort. And I hope that this uh, public announcement helps. I'm gonna take a break. Two lines open, one 888 uh, three lines open now. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we are. We have about 10 minutes to this segment. I will go to the phone lines, but I want to read this article. I think this is quite interesting. This is about California. And then I'm going to insert some commentary as I go, because I want to show you how what happened back, oh, I say about 50, 60 years ago. And it was addressed back in the year 2003. um, It's happening today. Listen to this article. California Reparations Task Force recommends paying billions to states, black residents for past atrocities. So good. So far, so good. Listen to this. Recommendations come shortly after state defaults on eighteen point five billion dollars federal unemployment insurance loans. Please listen to what just was stated. First of all, they want to pay out billions of dollars to black folks. After they have defaulted on eighteen point five billion dollars for federal unemployment insurance loans. First of all, they can't pay Insurance. They can't play unemployment at the tune of $18.5 billion, but they also want to give billions to black folks for past atrocity. Do you see the contradiction there? Sure you do. Listen to the article by John Leake. On Saturday, May 6, 2023, the California State Reparations Task Force convened and also published a document titled Meeting Materials, though most of the tome is patently ridiculous. It does contain an interesting section in Chapter 16 about California's notorious eugenics program. Oh, California had one. Of course it did. Almost every state in the union did. And who do we suppose were on that eugenics program? The highest level would be people of color. And who was running it? The medical industry. Well, who's running it today? The medical industry. Well, are uh, people of color designated by the medical industry today for the same kind of eugenics population control annihilation? I'll let you think about that. Listen to what the article goes on to say. As is noted on page two of the chapter, in 2003, the legislature, uh, legislature, Governor Gray Davis and Attorney General Bill Lockyer all issued formal apologies for the 1909 to 1979. That was 70 years of eugenics sterilization programs that forcibly sterilized patients in state hospitals and homes without true consent. In other words, they lied to them about what they were doing. This program and its lack of informed consent for medical procedures Hint, hint, lack of informed consent, lack of informed consent. Isn't that strangely um, contemporary, ladies and gentlemen, is an example of why the residents of California should not place blind faith in their state officials when it comes to medical matters. Haven't we been talking about that for three years? Wikipedia provides a good basic entry uh, about eugenics in California. You can look it up yourself. A legal program that resulted in the forcible sterilization of 20,000 Californians from 1909 to 1963. During the 1930s, the California eugenics program served as a model for the German eugenics program implemented by the Nazi party. 
Man, that's a long conversation to be had. Leading proponents of the program in California were David Starr Jordan and a whole bunch of other people and universities like Stanford University and other major institutions, okay? California State Universities were all involved in this, as it will go on to say. And so we see that yesterday's elite experts about social and medical matters turned out to have grossly overestimated their intellectual, scientific, and moral authority, motivated by arrogance, Ubris, these men implemented the scheme that most reasonable people now find appalling. I could read more about that, but it goes on to say one more thing. The reparations task force is animated by the same arrogant, thoughtless, and reckless spirit. Instead of following well-established principles of civil and criminal law, which require the identification of particular victims and particular culprits, the reparations task force proposes a concept of group victimhood. What does that sound like? The woke doctrine of identity politics determined by skin color and group culpability, all California taxpayers. So who are the victims? Who are the victims? People of color. Who are the uh, culpability group that got to pay for these group victimhoods? All California taxpayers. That includes me. So is that legitimate reparations? Is that legitimate social justice? Is that legitimate um, uh, equity taking place in our society as your your bamboozling government is seeking to tell you that it's trying to do across many sectors of society? Is this really truly justice? Is this really truly righteousness? I know a bunch of poor black people are celebrating the possibility of getting some money, but guess who they're getting it from? The taxpayers. All right, let me go to the phone line and talk with Jermaine before we shut down this uh, part of the segment. Jermaine, are you there? Jermaine on line one, Jermaine on line two. If you're not there, let me continue with uh, my uh, conversation about this. What a... uh, what what an idea here. Um, the, uh, the the goal here that the author is writing about is the task force Hello? purposes to Hey Jermaine, what's going on? I thought I thought we lost you. Okay, so I'm here. Okay, what's going on, man? Well just uh I just want to hear your thoughts real quick on uh the is there any biblical significance of the coronation of, of King Charles and the reason I mention that is because I know he's tied into so many different areas politically uh, around the world, and, and people have no idea how how deep the trenches of the royal family runs. You know, they own most of the world. You know, either through direct means or or subcontracted. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because everything you're talking about seems to relate to them. You know, include them as well. All right, so I, I, let me reframe it because I don't I don't think people will get it, and I'm more than happy to after the uh, after the segment is over. You guys, anybody want to talk about what we mean by the global elite? What we mean by the money bearings of the world? The people who hold the highest levels of financial influence. Uh, including families like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and uh, and many other uh, long-standing families 
the aristocratic groups, the dynastic groups, and and Brother Jermaine is making mention of uh, the royal family in terms of their influences around the world. I think we can easily surmise that the um, that the 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 systems of uh, governance around our world are uh, are set up in what are called tiers, and that with tiers meaning hierarchies of authority influencing lower um, lower authorities, influencing yet lower authorities. The first thing we can know is that our government leaders are not the top dogs anywhere in the world. They would probably be second or third or even fourth tier players on the largest scheme of the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the Council for Foreign Relations, the Davo Group, the G20 Nations, the United Nations. All of these are part of the global agenda. Most of us that are even reasonably informed know this is the case, even though people on the ground might want to act like it doesn't exist. And on all of these, uh, in all of these groups, there is a continuity of leading players such as Klaus Schwab, as well as uh, uh, the the now uh, installed uh, King Charles, um, his mother, and and many of the royal families going back hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, advising and shaping and manipulating uh, world governance. Um, as they are doing right now. And as Jermaine is asking about the sort of uh, prolific presence of uh, of George, King George, uh, as, as they call him that, uh, in many aspects of what's going on around the world, he is part of the uh, growing agenda of population control, of uh, climate change, of uh, Build Back Better, uh, uh, if you will, um, revisal of, of governance in the, the nations around the world. He was in on the World Health Organization's agenda for uh, vaccination of the world. They're all part of the new world order, and they're not even hiding it. So when, when you raise that question, um, is there any biblical basis for it? I've shared with you guys many times, the Bible does not acknowledge democracies. It doesn't acknowledge uh, social paradigm systems of government. It doesn't acknowledge, you know, Republican uh, representative societies. It doesn't do that in any uh, explicit terms. I'll be talking about that, however, this Sunday, as Moses is going to set up a hierarchy of governance. And I'll share with you how that corresponds to where we are. But um, the Bible talks about kings, monarchies, because that's what he sees are the real power brokers behind all of these pseudo state nations, nation states that you and I are living in. And King King uh, King uh, uh, King Charles is one of them. He's he's one of those that have maintained the levers of power and behind the scene have worked to to shape policy. And the policy has always been about the massive confiscation of wealth. Uh, over this whole COVID uh, pandemic, so much wealth was confiscated by the highest authorities in the world that it's remarkable to see how much more poverty has been uh, imposed upon us because of this so-called pandemic. Yes, he's in that that cycle of authority. Yes, he's in that cycle of authority. It's absolutely massive to see it take place. 
Um, we're going to take a break. When I come back, we'll continue uh, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 one We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If Jermaine is still on, so Jermaine, yes. Uh, from a biblical standpoint, all God looks at are the people that really are at the levers of power. And I think, you know, we're learning more and more about how um, these levers of power train and groom and and put in front men to um, to appear to govern the nations. They they are they are educated. They are um, part of families. The Bush family is part of that. There's no doubt about it. Um, The 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 president of Ukraine. He's just a clown. He was he was put in by our government. This is why people need to wake up about, again, false notions of um, good, bad. The, the again, the dichotomy of good and bad. When you have the kind of double speak going on in our media. As again, the Orwellian view of um, of, of, of a new world order in 1984. Everything. Almost everything has to be questioned and filtered through a prism of discernment and skepticism. Because, again, as the late Malcolm X put it, the media will make you think that which is right is wrong and that which is wrong is right. That's part of the psyop that's been going on with the CIA in America forever. And now that we have the NDAA, the National Defense Authority Act, once again, allowing our media to lie to its people in the name of a noble cause, people are being lied to with impunity. And even when we catch them lying, they're not getting punished. Fauci won't be punished. Walensky won't be punished. Biden won't be punished. His son, uh, Hunter, won't be punished. They won't be punished. Like Bill Clinton was not removed when the other Walensky, I know it's Monica Lewinsky, when she uh, serviced him in the White House. Miss Miss, uh, Rochelle Walensky serviced America and service CDC and serviced um, uh, Anthony Fauci and Anthony Fauci serviced Big Pharma. And Big Pharma is all part of the major power brokering systems of the world. In fact, Big Pharma is a consequence, again, of, uh, of what used to be big oil. Big oil dominated by um, you know, the Rothschilds and and the rest of them, they were making money in big oil. And then after a while, they said, let's get out of oil and let's get into the medical industry. So they converted the oil business into the medical business. Same families, 
running all of this. Same families, uh, same royal groups across the world that are shaking and moving and doing what they need to do. You, you and I don't know this, but it's true. And all you got to do is do a little Google search and you'll find this. This is the case. It's remarkable, isn't it? How that. This is never, ever emphasized or set forth in order for you to get a framing of the world in a way in which you can put the pieces together because you are constantly being bombarded by distraction. You're being entertained. You're being, uh, society is being dominated by entertainment. Jermaine, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, what's your thoughts on what I said? Um, You know, no one could deny what you said, but... There's a good book, I think, that kind of connects a lot of what you're saying from World War One. actually, a veteran of the Spanish-American War, the Philippine War, and World War One. It's called War is a Racket by Smedley Butler. He was one of the highly, most highly decorated officers in the uh, United States military history. And by the time he was done with all of the carnage and the medals and the awards, he looked back and realized somebody is pulling strings. And this entire thing is a racket for a lot of the uh, so-called secret organizations and corporations that you just mentioned. And he wrote a very short book about his experiences. And of course they tried to say he was crazy after they, they gave him more medals than almost anybody in history. So I, I think you would enjoy that. And it kind of connects a lot of what you're saying many, many years ago, but like you so said, many, so many, uh, yeah, my, my, <clears throat> I shared the story about the last shot a couple months ago uh, about the Vietnam Vietnamese war <clears throat> The war in Vietnam <clears throat> with with uh, the father of my son-in-law, uh, David Tran, who was in that war, and they were made to kill each other, the North and the South, as you know, he saw all that, too. A lot of military men who went through a lot of these campaigns and excursions and battles came to realize that strings were being pulled and people were being killed in carnage over wars that weren't just. It was Muhammad Ali who plainly saw it. He he said, no, I'm not doing it. He saw it. And yet today we're still rushing men and women off to war. It's a lot more strategic today, a lot more complicated. And the warfare now is not out there. It's around the world ubiquitously. Like I'm saying, we're dealing with a war now. We just don't see it. It was part part of the uh, Department of Defense policy um, maybe a hundred years ago, you can look it up. It's called silent war with quiet, with quiet weapons, silent war with quiet weapons or quiet war with silent weapons. And it was definitely, uh, projecting biological warfare, which is where we are today. This is what's going on today. We are in a warfare of eugenics. It's a, a warfare of uh, population control. Um, what just happened over the last two years People won't see the massive reduction of, uh, of population for the next 10 years. They won't see the cancer. They won't see the tumors. They won't see the reproductive organs not functioning. They won't see it, and they won't make the correlation between it and the jab for the next 10 years because that's how the enemy works. He always comes in, does his work. By the time the truth emerges, he's gotten away. This is why I'm saying these folks who were part of this all laughing and saying they knew it wasn't going to work. Uh, they're saying it because they're doing it with impunity. They they don't have to worry about the Department of Justice calling them in and punishing them because they're all part of the deep state, too. Um, Americans will have to wake up and understand that the only way this is going to change 
is if people do something about it, it won't happen any other way. Thanks for the call. When I come back, I'll get you Louise from Hayward. Um, there are three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Dare you to give me a call. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back at time six twenty on the Monday edition of Lifeline. You would be utterly surprised at how many agencies are working together in terms of their um, <clears throat> being behind the scenes, working with the uh, the government and with the media to control speech, to dominate speech, and to punish uh, companies and people and individuals if they say things that go contrary to the uh, to the mainstream narrative. Now, that's not a small thing. That's exactly what tyrant countries do, shut down free speech. But again, it was Matt <clears throat> Taibbi, Taibbi, who used to live in Russia, and understood how Russian Russian media control works, um, exposed the censorship industrial complex of the Twitter files of which Elon Musk so graciously opened the door for it to be aired out. Uh, his calculations are bright, notwithstanding whatever his motive may be. The, uh, the manifestation of so many intrusions on the part of the uh, Biden administration, especially to clamp down on freedom of speech is horrifying. In fact, this also was something that was going on during the Obama administration, as Taibbi has plainly made clear as well. There are global organizations <clears throat> that frequently meet global organizations uh, military, CIA, FBI, businesses, uh, leaders of different countries, they all come together to determine how to project and frame and uh, uh, implement and present news and data to the world. We're not living in a free country. As our brother Jermaine has so plainly said, the brother who had fought in wars, many wars, and had been a decorated soldier, now, this is the whole theme behind the whole Rambo uh, series. If you guys remember Rambo, that was because he recognized how wicked our governments were. It's amazing how our movies are so absolutely accurate and people watch them for entertainment and fail to, to realize the line of truth that is running through them as part of the uh, what we call predictive programming component. Let's go to line number two and talk with Louise from Hayward. Louise, are you there? Louis, one of the two, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. So let me give you a little bit of a background myself. I am currently a Sibold Las Positas College trustee for Area 1. My uh, term finishes in 2024. So I've been elected for that position since 2020. And I just wanted to call in and have you tell your listeners that there will be a drag queen show for kids this coming May 13th on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And it's going to happen. There's no way I can stop it. It's just unreal what is going on in our society today. 
And if people would only wake up and see what's going on around them for these things to go on, especially when the kids are being groomed, it is so disappointing to see these events and shows happen. Now, Louise, can you once again uh, share with us how you are affiliated with uh, Las Positas College? Absolutely. I am a college trustee that was elected. I won my election. It was a very heated, contested election in 2020. As a matter of fact, I won two elections. Uh, But I I won the college one as well. And my term is for four years. I am one of the trustees that pretty much approves uh, things of the nature deal with budget, policy, classes, you name it. Basically, we run the whole operation. However, just to clarify, I'm calling not on behalf of the board. I'm calling as myself. As no, I understand that fully. That, I understand that fully, and my audience does too. I have a very informed audience, Louise. I don't know if you heard me at the beginning of the show talking to one of our members who is going to be doing the protesting there because we talked about this last week where a lot of us are connected with teachers and and administrators and people that work in the public school sector as well and we're very much aware of this event going on i talked about it at the top of the hour in our first hour at five o'clock and we talked about it last week as well and there will be a sizable group of people uh peacefully protesting that event. But your calling in, Louise, is really helpful because the reality is, is that most people on the outside of these institutions, and you you will know this, uh, who are just going about their everyday lives, they don't believe that these kinds of massive, uh, unfair, unconstitutional, uh, um, barbaric practices of burlesque sexuality are going on in our schools because our media constantly lies to us about it. I'm so glad you called and uh, we commend you. Everyone listening commend you for being the kind of person who is willing to have a conscience and uh, and also fight for our school boards because uh, I know people that do exactly what you do who don't care for these things, but they recognize that these things are being imposed by uh, power systems that are larger than than you guys are able to um, to um, negotiate. So I appreciate you calling in. What what might else would you have to say? Well, you know, earlier before Michael, you, you briefly talked about freedom of speech, and it reminds me of some of the challenges that I've been going through my board as a board trustee. Most people don't know what's going on, as you mentioned, but I have been recently been censored by my own board because I posted a meme of an apple, and yeah. the caption on that apple said, if you... If you if you don't see a banana, you're a right wing extremist. <laughs> so, right. So right. That was posted on my LinkedIn account, and because of that, I've been censured from the board. I've been fired from my job at another school that I work at. And just to give you an idea, as you mentioned, to support what you just said, how powerful these people are. They are very powerful. And they are creating havoc everywhere. And people need to get involved. They really do. We we have God on our side. There's actually a spiritual war going on. 
Absolutely. going on right now as we speak. Absolutely. You are absolutely you're absolutely right. Now, I don't uh, I don't know how many communities of faith understand what you're saying, but you, I don't know if you know I am a pastor. That's what that's who I am. That's my yeah, calling. That's what I do. They, they, you know, one of my friends talked to me and they, she asked to call you and, and mention what's going on. Now, just support, again, how powerful these people are. That Apple meme was was taken as an offensive gesture by the LGBTQ community. Somehow they, they assume or they, they interpret that as something that is, that will promote uh, hatred against the transgender uh, community and the homosexual community. And when I posted that, I had none of that intention. My, my intent was very simple. When you see the world around us, we see all these news organizations, these corporate news media, telling us that everything's okay. And, and again, that mean, if you can just picture in your mind, when we had the CNN reporter that had said, oh, it, don't look at the fire behind me. This is a peaceful protest. That's what the meme was about. It had nothing to do with anything that deals with the other community. But you know. All right. So, so, so uh, this is what I'm going to say about that to broaden the conversation around uh, what would be called projection on their part. The the whoever it was that opposed that meme. What you were saying, I don't I don't have to see it because I, I think rationally, propositionally, and therefore I can I can comprehend I can comprehend symbolism. What you were saying is um, there is a reality, a concrete, empirical, factual reality of which we all have to deal with. Or you can choose if you want to to disregard reality and embrace a figment, postmodern, irrational hyper, as they put it, everything is subject to framing. Everything is really uh, people's own construction. This is the way that um, that Foucault and Derrida uh, depicted reality. Reality is the construction of ideas that emerge from people's own minds. So whatever your truth is, is your truth. And whatever my truth is, is my truth. That's hyper subjectivism. And it doesn't correspond with reality. So when we're talking about the trans community and other communities asserting that they have the exact same ontological, biological um, uh, certitude that a biological male or female has, then what we're doing is inviting and embracing insanity. And that's what your meme was indicating. And out of their projective fear that someone might get the point, my, my, my dear brother, that's the reason why they came at you. Because what we're dealing with is an Orwellian doublespeak society where if you speak the truth, even though it is the truth, if it goes contrary to the stated news initiative, if it goes contrary to the mainstream narrative, you are a threat. You are a danger. They do not want you and me demanding that they actually speak the truth. And that's what that mean. That's why that mean got you in trouble. It wasn't because you meant any harm. You weren't being bigotous, uh, bigotrous. You weren't uh, being pejorative. You were simply saying the way that society is being trained by the media is that if you don't see that apple as a banana, then you're a right wing bigoted 
uh, homophobe. And nothing could be further from the truth for you or for me, my dear brother. Listen, thank you for the call. I got to take a hard break. This is a Monday edition of Lifeline. Pray for our dear brother and others like him. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Let's go to line number one and talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Hey, how's it going, PJ? I'm good. How are you? Man, it's, it's okay, man. It's so many. It's so much going on. It's kind of hard to keep up with. I don't know how how you do it. I commend you on it. Just you know, uh, definitely keep me uh, uh, focused and everybody else. I mean, I, I, I'm going back to the statement you made. Well, the statement you, you made and you repeated what Malcolm X. I was never really a, a big follower or fan of his, but he definitely has some pointed statements that he made and it's almost like right out of the scripture but instead of but he filled the blank with the with, with the media as opposed to woe and the call those who call good evil and evil good that sounds like just what he said in a paraphrase with the media they'll have you thinking what's good and bad and what's bad is good and what's, right is right, what's, what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong and it's amazing to me that how many people are listening to the time that I think Yuri Desmanov helped, helped us with that. Uh, well, those who even know who he is, uh, you know, with the psyops and everything. And, 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 and you know, if you focus on it too long, it can be, you know, mind-boggling. I mean, it can just be really tough. But when I hear... About like the, the previous caller, who's the trustee for uh, Los Pasitos out there, and it's like they're censoring him, and he, he's being fired. And he's, I guess, we're truthfully, rightfully saying the power that they have. I mean, I think we, as you know, believers, have to acknowledge the fact that it's real, but we can't. We can't act. We, we, we can't backpedal. You know, we can't capitulate. We we have to move forward, like what the group is going to be doing, doing the silent protests. Uh, I think we have to continue to do those things. You know, sometimes I sit back and I, you know, I kick myself for thoughts I had decades ago about what we believers should have been doing before they signed the uh, the. the same-sex marriage act in the law, where we should have been over there on the steps praying. And that's, you know, you, just, just being present, just being visible, just being praying. And I know we have to do more than pray. We also have to take action. You know, as like, you know, arise, move, and go. You know, we just have to, I mean, I'm all over the place right now, but we have to, you know, we have to remain focused on what it is we're called to do. Uh, and that can be difficult sometimes if you don't, if we don't have a leader, if it's not even being addressed, if that makes any sense. You know, you it's not being addressed. No, it does. It does. Let, me, let me organize about four or five points to affirm what you're saying. It does. Um, and, and, and as far as what I do, you know, my, my, uh, my, my center of gravity for addressing social and public issues is the reality of God and the testimony of scripture 
and the call of a believer to be both priestly and prophetic. You, you know that. So I'm obligated to speak truth to power from the standpoint of being a believer <clears throat> and then also being informed. I am informed. Uh, and then I'm also part of leadership in our society. So I'm obligated to model it, model it for you guys, and then obligated to communicate it. And so God has, you know, propelled me into a position where I've had to deal with politics now for for 20 plus years <clears throat> on the radio, and I'm somewhat uh, averse. I'm somewhat uh, versed in many of the. Uh, dangerous policies that have taken place going all the way back to before uh, 9-11. And once 9-11 hit, there were a lot of things that came out of that particular crisis that proved themselves to be part of false flags and part of government uh, manipulation of data and information. And that put me on a trajectory just like it has millions and millions of people up to this point to where we are healthy, scientifically driven, uh, biblically based, uh, rational skeptics whenever the government opens its mouth. And once we did enough research on the uh, history of the uh, CIA and the FBI uh, intruding into uh, civil life uh, with fear tactics and mafia style uh, coercion, uh, and, and society capitulating and submitting. And then certainly, again, Noam Chomsky made it clear, uh, Operation Paperclip, uh, uh, Mockingbird rather, when uh, the CIA infiltrated the media many, many decades ago and is still presently in the media. As I stated, I just was listening to a riveting, riveting presentation by uh, Mr. Thabiti, Taibi is not the Bidi, but it's Taibi, and his name is Matt uh, Taibi, who was at on the Senate floor being challenged because he was part of Elon Musk's exposure of all of this data and information about the collusion of at, you know the Biden administration with the FBI, CIA, and Twitter, Facebook, and all of them. Uh, uh, censoring our voices. That's something that has to be uh, dealt with. You cannot sit back as a society and let the media become just a talking point for government interests because governments always work contrary to the real interests of its citizens. That's what our founding fathers have stated. The Bible makes that very clear. When the wicked rule, the people mourn, and we're in a very grievous state of mourning for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Uh, but let me say this also. I'm looking at a visual on my screen as I speak to all of you guys, <clears throat> and it's the celebratory uh, wins, that is the successes and victories of, um, of the ICANN legal team for the high wire. The ICANN legal team with Aaron Series, Esquire, Cindy Neveson, and Mark Blackso have won so many battles uh, in the courts for California and many other states, such as uh, the the uh, U.S. is dropping the COVID vax mandates um, uh, here in California for all the medical workers. That is a major win because California tried to be like Canada and tried to be like Australia and just lock down and, and scare us into utter complicity. See, either you can be persuaded by the truth that a thing is true, or you can be beat down by fear to be forced to say a thing is true. And the second one, the latter one, is called communism. 
The first one mm-hmm. is called truth based upon the evidence being brought to the table in the context of freedom for everyone to evaluate. And if we have reasonable minds, we can we can conclude that with enough evidence out of the mouth of two or three witnesses when the witnesses are legitimate and they're not suborned and they're not corrupted and they're not paid off we can come to a collective reality of what constitutes the truth. Another battle being won is teachers unions, boss backtracks, school closures. That's another battle won. Uh, you know, the battle even in the medical industries are being won. So there's backtracking going on in the world. I'm stating that to you and me, James, because the media will never ever show us the battles that are being won by good men and women who are doing the hard work that you're saying. And that makes it look like a daunting task. So when Louise is doing what he does and he's taking hits here and there, like many of us have, like the good folks out there, uh, Brother McClure and them out there at uh, Calvary Chapel have taken hits and John MacArthur has taken hits and all of the litany of scientists and doctors have taken hits. That's the price you pay for a fallen world. Jesus took hits. The prophets took hits. Faithful pastors are going to take hits. Faithful Christians are going to take hits. My goodness, the people that really took the hit are all of the folks who ended up taking taking a jab and getting sick and dying or their kids being irreparably wounded by these jabs and they have no economic or any kind of even public reprisal to um, to help heal their wounds. Those are the ones that have really taken taken a hit and they were trying to do it for their government in the name of a uh, crisis that was fabricated by the very government that um, we are dealing with. And, and what's remarkable about what I'm saying, and I got to let you go here, this ain't the first time it happened. This is why I'm talking about the eugenics thing with California wanting to pay reparations for what the uh, tyrannical medical industry in its racist agenda has done to all kinds of poor people and people of color and women. And the same group of people that are running the medical industry now ran it then. I'm talking about Fauci. I'm talking about Bill Gates. I'm talking about um, the um, CDC, the FDA and Big Pharma. They have been going around the world slaughtering human beings in the name of medical uh, integrity and medical necessity and crisis. And people on the ground know it. And at some point, something has to be done about it, you know, or else we are in extremely big trouble. So I'm thankful for brothers like Louise and all the other people that are willing to be real human beings and realize that life is meant to be lived for something greater than ourselves. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. Got to take a break. We will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. Let's go to line number three and talk with Cal Day from Oakland. My dear brother, what's going on? Hey, Pastor Jesse. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, what's up? I want to chime in on the this couple of topics that you, you mentioned, beginning with the transgender um, that you, you know, did it partially in the monologue. Sure. Um, so I'm with a lot of, you know, wrestling because I'm getting to see it on a level in my own life with, um, you know, with my kids being in school, having to see certain aspects that are coming in to, you know, educational 
fear. Sure. Um, and, you know, um, certain circumstances that have, like, heightened my senses to it. Yeah. So I'm grateful on one side because the Lord has not left me to be comfortable in my, um, you know, like sort of get, you know, complacent, if you will, uh, thinking that we're all good to go. And, you know, as long as we're fellowshipping and praying and seeking, you know, our Lord, that, uh, you know, we can just, you know, chill out. Um, but, you know, to remind me that this is, that is really warfare that is going on. Um, so that, on that level, I want to bring up an example specifically along the transgender because I think women have a really big role, particularly godly women have a role in just one in, in their modest appearance and how they behave and how they live because that'll speak volumes um, you know and who they influence around you know speaking the gospel in both in deed and in word um, because uh, there was an article I think about a week ago in the New York Post and uh, <clears throat> with um, Martina the former tennis player uh, Chance yeah. Martina yeah. Yeah. she slammed one of these uh, one of the cyclists to uh, beat you know, who won a $35,000 jackpot in a, in a cycling um, competition. Um, he won. Uh, Austin, his name is Austin Killips. And uh, Never Tola basically said, you know, it's not the place for trans-identified male athletes, you know, biological males to compete uh, in women's sports. It's just not their place. And we're going to be seeing this more and more. That was her quote. Um, and so there's other women I think one name is Riley Gaines she got beat by um, uh, the guy that calls himself Leah Thomas sure. William Thomas and others uh, there was Olympic swimmer Sharon Davies uh, who last month called for a boycott of Nike yeah. because it was over his decision to use uh, the fellow Dylan Dylan on, you know, on the Bud Light uh, can or whatever. Yep. Um, so these are women that are standing up and saying, hey, you know, men can't come in here and bogart their way into women's sphere and say, you know, and have us say it's okay. Because it's just, you know, it's just a form of a bullying tactic. Uh, what's interesting is that <clears throat> as, um, Martirola, Mar uh, Martina uh, also uh, slammed, went after uh, uh, the guy William uh, or Leah Thomas uh, because he was on a podcast saying essentially that women that are not cool with him being a woman. And, I, and this is kind of like, it, I, I got to see how far we've gone saying that they are transphobic because they didn't fully support him. I, yeah, I respect you being, you know, making a decision to, you know, to transition, but I don't respect you, you know, I, I don't think it's fair you, you coming over here and, and taking over our sports. He says, well, if they don't fully support me, they're transphobic. And so Martina 
puts out a you know a tweet saying you know newsflash and caps it's not fair we shouldn't have to keep on explaining to you over and over and stop telling or explaining feminism to feminists you know so it it just kind of it puts puts you into a frame of mind like how far down the river like when logic that should have been very simple to explain 20, 30 years ago is no longer logic. It's not logical. Uh, uh, now, your, your discourse has been good. Obviously, you know, I only, only got two minutes to go. So I, I want to thank you for that reflection. I'm going to close out with a, just a little bit of a thought on it because it's so germane. Obviously, you're talking about something that is only growing by the second. This is not going to be a go away conversation whatsoever. We've been warning about that for a long, for the longest. So I only have one moment, one minute. We're dealing with something massively more complex than just the irrationality of um, uh, enlightened philosophers thinking that everything is a social construct and doesn't correspond with reality. We're dealing with profoundly spiritual paradigm shifts and the opening of the abyss of major levels of spiritual darkness that, that cannot be answered by intellectual arguments alone, although they're important. This is a spiritual uh, consequent of a breakdown of our society way, way, way upstream, not downstream, way upstream back when we compromised um, the uh, the essential distinction between males and females at the um, at the uh, role level. And this would include our homosexual community, too, because we we saw this coming when we have completely destroyed the roles of men and the roles of women, this opens the door to this. I'll be unpacking this more eloquently on Saturday in our second rules of engagement, um, uh, you know, uh, presentation because this is about roles, not just ethnicity. It is about roles. If we don't have a clear definition of not only the ontological meaning of a male versus a female, nor a clear definition of their roles then we're dealing with the confounding and the confusion and the chaos that we are now meted out. That is where we are. So the homosexual community only has one fundamental argument. It's not role, it's ontology. It's not role, it's ontology. They bought into a change of roles. And now the trans are wanting to be part of that transition of roles. And, and this will move on into pedophilia and bestiality in transhumanism. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you all the great kind of Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.